everybody. Well, uh, Todd Conklin here. Thanks uh, for being on the show. I've got a special guest today, Kim Gorley. He is a partner at Jones Williams Furman Gorley in Boise, Idaho. Uh, full disclosure, he is also our attorney. Uh, he specializes in commercial litigation and commercial transaction law. I've asked him here today to have a quick conversation with us about what's going on with uh, really, we're probably going to focus a little bit more on commercial or investment at the very least transactions, but everything that's going on with lending and with social distancing and title companies requiring <laughs> that we do closings differently. And of course, not having the federal legislature pass yet the ability to have digital signatures for notary. But now it sounds like we've got some counties and some state governments that are saying that they're, they're, they're going to produce some workarounds. Anyway, lots and lots of questions about the viability of contracts the, the, uh, that are currently pending, um, what can be done if there are some quarantine issues, all of these things that go along with it. So I've asked a legal professional to come and have a quick chat with us. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. So uh, I know we got a bunch of questions. Um, I think I'll just start and, and just sort of see where this all leads us. Um, one of the questions that I got from one of our agents was they had a client who was uh, the buyer, um, was part of a 1031 exchange. Um, the seller was quote unquote quarantined some, some, hey, somehow, some way. Um, closing was not gonna take place at the given time. They were pretty close to their trigger dates for the 1031 exchange. What do you do as a buyer if you don't have a force majeure clause or do you? Well, that's the problem and recognize that the force majeure clause is really separate and apart from what I'll call the tax laws at this point in time. The force majeure clause is a clause that protects the party from being in breach for non-performance of the contract. Uh, on the other hand, the tax laws are what are controlling the 1031 exchanges. Uh, we've been trying to monitor to see if Congress is going to change the tax laws and allow extensions of period for the 1031 exchanges, but we haven't seen or heard about any of that yet. So the problem is, even if there's a force majeure clause and you won't be in breach of the contract, you may still lose your qualification for a 1031 tax exchange. So that puts some folks in, in some tough positions. And as we know, it, it, obviously we see this much more on the buyer side, but, but typically speaking, somebody that's a seller of a property is also going to probably do a 1031 unless they're just going to go ahead and take the capital gains. They're going to go ahead and do a 1031 as well. And so they're deep into their process of identifying other properties and quite honestly probably have incurred some costs and certainly some time and resources as a result of this. So not being able to close according to the contract really creates some pretty exceptional and extenuating circumstances for both parties. What's your recommendation to both buyer and seller as they go into uh, negotiations and entering into contracts given today's chaos? Yeah, that's a very good question and it's a difficult uh, question to answer. Uh, because everybody has their own threshold for risk, uh, and you're trying to, a buyer's trying to buy a property they think it's a good uh, situation, and are they going to attempt to negotiate in force majeure clauses or or other clauses that would say that if a 1031 exchange is not going to work in some way that that they have it's a contingency to the contract and they have the ability to get out of the contract so that they can timely close on something else. Uh, 
those type of negotiations would typically, uh, up to this point, have killed the real estate uh, negotiations because sellers not interested in in allowing those kind of contingencies and allowing the buyer to get out of the contract without uh, liability or damage. However, with what is occurring, it may become more prevalent. Uh, but it, it's just a function of risk because obviously a buyer who, who cannot timely close using a 1031 exchange still has the funds available uh, to, to, to close. It's simply that they're going to be paying the taxes. They're going to probably be paying capital gains taxes that they were trying to avoid. Uh, and so it's not sort of an impossibility of performance. It's just that the performance isn't as desired because that capital gains tax uh, is going to have to be paid that's out there. So, uh, you know, you're going, if you're a buyer who wants uh, the ability to get out in case seller can't perform in some way, then do you add that contingency that enables you right up to closing uh, to get out of the contract so you can close on something different? But all of this is a matter of timing because if that closing is 170 days from, from with the 180-day period to close, it only leaves you 10 days uh, to close the next transaction. And so, you know, probably the thing I would recommend if someone had the 1031, they knew the funds were available, they probably need to, to schedule the closing early enough that if that closing is not going to happen, they have, they have time to identify and close on, on the second or third property that, that's already been identified for the 1031. That's a, yeah, that's a great follow-up. So, so just, just to clarify on the buyer side, nothing really to preclude anybody from trying to buy commercial property today. Same, same thing. Everything's fine. Um, we can certainly go under contract on that. Probably need to identify whether or not uh, we want to really force the hand, the risk tolerance, if you will, for getting the force majeure clause in there just to make sure, again, the corona clause, making sure that we've got some time. Um, and from a dates perspective, if I'm a buyer, I'm involved in a 1031 exchange, I really probably should be paying attention to dates to ensure that in the event something does go haywire uh, as a result of the coronavirus and, and uh, uh, stay at home order, uh, that we have enough time to go to plan B or plan C. That is correct. The, the big picture that I would tell everybody to focus on, because everybody keeps wondering what uh, Congress or the government's going to do, uh, and you have to recognize that there are certain limitations. Uh, as a general rule, governmental entities cannot modify contractual terms. And so if two ready, willing, and able parties enter into a contract, there's nothing that Congress or state legislature uh, or the executive branch can do to uh, change or neutralize uh, those contract terms. Uh, what they can do is, like the tax laws, Congress can change the 1031 time period for exchanges, uh, but Congress can't impose a force majeure clause into a real estate contract. Uh, the other thing that we're seeing occurring, uh, this would be, uh, let's say, a buyer of a multifamily uh, housing project, apartment complex, is even though the legislature cannot change the purchase sale agreement relating to the apartment complex, the court system can slow down the ability of what landlords can do with apartment complexes. For example, we're seeing the evictions uh, are incredibly slow at this point, and they've talked about maybe the court system is simply isn't going to grant uh, any more evictions. Uh, if there were, uh, I'll call it, um, lawsuits relating to uh, breach of a purchase sale agreement and someone 
desiring specific performance of that contract. Even though the contract terms are still there, even though they have a valid claim, the court system may not be readily available for uh, pursuing remedies that a buyer or a seller want. So you, you separate out that nobody, no governmental entity can really impact the contract, but the court system can make it so that it forces parties to kind of change what they're thinking in terms of, of the relief they want if, if performance is not occurring by a buyer or seller. Beautiful. Well, there's tons and tons of information here, but, but I think what I heard Kim really say is that if you're a seller, it's okay to sell right now. Um, there may be some language that we're going to include in the purchase and sale agreement, but from, from list up to that point, there's really, you know, business as usual. Um, of course, we're going to have to have some level heads, but ultimately the government can't determine or make a change to the contract. They, they can allow for maybe some wiggle room and some other, other capacities, capacities. Same thing for the buyers. Uh, really, if you're looking to do a 1031 exchange, absolutely. Uh, uh, full steam ahead if that's what you're, you're looking to do. There's nothing to preclude, preclude you from doing so. We may want to include some additional languages that, that we hadn't really thought of before. We may want to add some additional time provisions that maybe we wouldn't have asked for before, but all in all, business as usual. That, that is exactly correct. The only additional uh, thing I would throw out for uh, all of your people to consider is I recently had an apartment complex closing occurred last Friday. We suddenly became nervous about whether overnight uh, deliveries were going to remain available, available simply because of the airline industry. Uh, and you will a lot of times have parties who are out of state uh, and their closing, closing documents you can do electronically, but like the original deeds uh, need to arrive. And so you're anticipating that overnight courier service is available. Uh, and suddenly we were thinking about this going, let's get all this done about a week before closing so that if there's any issues, we have time to react. And, and I would say six months ago, no, nobody would have thought twice at overnighting on Thursday for a Friday morning delivery for closing. Now, maybe it's a week before, 10 days before that, that everybody starts getting really well organized uh, to make sure all the documents have arrived in time for the closing. I love that. Great. More organization and a little bit more thoughtful when it comes to timing. I appreciate it. So, Kim, again, I really appreciate you being here. If somebody had some additional questions uh, for you, how would they get a hold of you? Who would they get a hold of? You know, they are welcome to call uh, or to email. You have my email address, but it's kgorley at idolaw.com. Uh, if they'd like to call, our uh, office is technically closed because we're under the, the shelter order, uh, but uh, most of the attorneys are in probably half a day or so. Uh, the phone number is 208-331-1170, and my cell phone number is 208-867-1153. They are welcome to call. Uh, there's a lot of questions that are going around right now amongst clients and even amongst attorneys. Uh, everybody trying to determine how these force majeure clauses will be enforced uh, with the courts uh, and of course how quickly you'll even be able to get hearings. Uh, in Idaho right now the courts are, are all for all practical purposes shut down for three weeks. The federal courts are still open. I'm assuming that's uh, true in all the states uh, where you have the offices in Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho. Uh, and I don't know what the status of the state courts are, but the state courts are going to be slow, uh, and so that isn't really a very good, um, I'll say, source 
for uh, trying to obtain relief, depending on whether you're representing the seller or the buyer right now. Wonderful. Well, Kim Gorley, partner at Jones Williams, Furman Gorley in Boise, Idaho. Again, buddy, I appreciate your time and uh, hope that helps everybody.